listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. You know, whether somebody's using drugs or not, their life is still valuable. Naloxone is a lifesaver. Remember that we're not our disease. I am not a bag of heroin. I'm Stacy. I'm just as normal as the next person. My outlook has always been to educate because I think when you're talking about stigma here as, a, as an overall goal of yours, I think the only way to really gnaw away at that is to educate people. Unfortunately, I have not had many positive experiences with the medical community, with anybody I know or anybody in my family. I hope that changed. Opioid use disorder is a chronic condition. It's it's not something that you know goes away forever. It's not like you, you go through a treatment program and then suddenly it's not a problem anymore. You know, we don't always get it the first time and you know, sometimes it takes us a couple times before we finally get it. Don't give up on us so easily. Hi, my name is Logan Kissel, and let's talk stigma. Let's Talk Stigma is an educational podcast miniseries designed to highlight the stigma associated with opioid use disorder and the ongoing opioid epidemic. Each of these episodes will feature a number of different voices from individuals who have in some way experienced the effects of the opioid epidemic, whether in their social life, family life, or professional career. We hope listeners of this podcast will listen with an open mind, reflect on the stories they hear, and be able to recognize and combat stigma associated with opioid use disorder. On today's episode of Let's Talk Stigma, we'll hear about medications for opioid use disorder, otherwise known as MOUD, and how patients' accessibility to these medications can play a huge role in helping someone reach recovery. I remember I facilitated a a workshop a few months ago, and we were giving information about how Suboxone and Methadone decreases your risk of fatal overdose by 50%. And there was a woman there who was sitting in the front row and she said, I didn't know that my brother died of an overdose last year and no one ever told us that this was an option for him. Nobody ever told us that this would prevent, you know, lower his risk of overdosing. You know, he had been in recovery. He had been through treatment. He had, he had all of these things and he had a recurrence of use and she was just sitting there in the front row in the front row, almost in tears saying, if we had had this medication, maybe my brother wouldn't have died. We start with Joellen Marsh, who shares her thoughts on medications for opioid use disorder, and that there are multiple different treatment pathways and roads to recovery for each individual person. One of the the big changes in language that's happened even over the last few years since I've been involved in this field is switching from MAT or medication-assisted treatment to MOUD or medication for opioid use disorder or medication-assisted recovery. There are a lot of reasons for that one, but, but basically it's, it's recognizing that the medication is the treatment. We wouldn't say to somebody who was taking an SSRI for depression that it's medication-assisted treatment for depression. You know, that's, that's just their treatment. And sometimes it can go along with counseling or other things. But for many people, that is the treatment in itself. And so recognizing that many groups stigmatize medication for opioid use disorders, uh, which include buprenorphine or suboxone, methadone, sometimes naltrexone, things like that. Many people say that it's just substituting one drug for another. And I, 
I think really it's important to recognize that we're doing what's going to work for people and that we're cutting the risk of overdose or of dying from overdose by 50%. And so the way we change our language around that and the way we talk about it is really important. I think MOUD is incredibly helpful for people. Part of why opioids are so dangerous for people right now is because there isn't a safe supply. Uh, so when we go to the liquor store, we can go and we know that there's going to be a certain percentage of alcohol in it. We know that it's not going to make us sick because there's quality control. We know that if there were a problem with that bottle, that we could call the factory and they would know exactly who was working that day and what the problem was and how to fix it. With opioids and other, uh, you know, with heroin and illicit substances, there's no safe supply. And, you know, just like during prohibition, we saw people weren't trying to smuggle beer. They were smuggling moonshine and whiskey and things that were as high as percentage as they possibly could. So we're seeing the same thing today with fentanyl. That is exactly why they're smuggling fentanyl and why we're seeing so much of that. And, and it's become more dangerous for people. Methadone and buprenorphine are very different than, than heroin. And it's not the same thing. And it isn't just substituting one drug for another, but it is a safe way that they can that they can treat their substance use disorder. They know that when they go to get Suboxone, that it's gonna be safe and they're not gonna overdose on that. They know exactly how much they're getting. They know that they can take it safely and they know where they're gonna be going to get it from. I think it's incredibly important to be able to provide that for people and to be able to provide it more often. One of the most impactful experiences that I had was I, I did a lot of tabling when I was working at the health department. So I would just go and, and one day I'd set up my table at, at Market Square. And I had, you know, a few dozen people kind of come through the table over the course of the day. I gave out some Narcan. I, I talked to a bunch of people. And then I had one person come up to me and he, he was traveling across the country with his wife. He was part of the traveler community. And he said, thank you so much for giving out Narcan. You know, this just saved some of my friends. But what he said that really struck me was he said, my wife and I don't want to be using heroin anymore. We really, really want to get on Suboxone. But because we're traveling, we can't access it. We can't find anybody that will give it to us if we're not going to be coming back to the same clinic over and over again. And that just really struck me that somebody wants access to the medication. They don't want to be using illicit substances anymore. They don't want to be, uh, you know, have an opioid use disorder anymore. They want to be seeking recovery and treatment. But because of our barriers and our policy barriers, they're not able to access it. And I think just making it much more accessible and making it as accessible as, as heroin is would be a major step toward helping people be able to, to switch to something that's going to prevent them from overdosing and is going to be a major step toward recovery for them. I think the biggest thing that I would want people to remember is that people who, are, who have opioid use disorder or who are using substances in problem way, problematic ways they didn't get here by accident. You know, there are so many traumas in people's life and so many mental health issues, lack of housing, lack of stable jobs, all of these things that kind of build and influence whether people are going to have problematic use or not. And so recognizing that most of the time, it's not really about the substance. You know, the substance is obviously has a major effect on people's brain and there is a biological component to addiction for sure. But when you actually look at how people recover from problematic substance use and how people get to a better place, most of the time it's because their lives just got better. 
you know, like they got stable housing, they got supportive community supports, they got all of these things. And they had people who looked at them like they were human beings. And so I think the one thing that I would say to take away is just to remember that there is, there is power in being able to offer someone an interaction where you're looking at them with compassion and not with pity and recognizing that they are a human being that has gone through a lot in their lives and that, you know, you can't know what they've gone through, but you can offer them this one interaction where, where you're not trying to make them do anything. You're not trying to shame them for anything. You're just trying to be there to give them what they need and provide them a service. And also recognizing that many people who are in recovery might not be completely abstinent, that recovery is what works for the person. Mike Palladini, a pharmacist you met in previous episodes, shares his perspectives on medications for opioid use disorder and how treatment pathways are different for each individual person and how pharmacists can play a huge role in that. And there's a lot of people who are in recovery that will work within the recovery and treatment industry, and they may have experienced their recovery one way or another, which leads to their bias and they look at it on a personal individual level, like, well, I didn't have to do that. So this person shouldn't have to. And why do they get this? And they're not experiencing the bottom. Their, their limbic system is not allowing itself to play it out. They're still being buffered from reality with this drug. So there's, there's input from all over the place. You know, the folks who are on the pharmaceutical side are making formulation improvements. I mean, now, you know, the sublingual, we're going to see a lot more long-acting um, injectables. So that's going to be the evolution. And five years from now, we're probably looking back and saying, okay, how do we move on to use the injectables correctly? So that is moving forward. And from the top down, there's a lot of advocacy on, yes, this needs to be done. And it's, it's becoming the way of treatment for OUD. So there has to be ways that, you know, maybe large pharmacy providers can tool up their pharmacist to have better questions in place that if they see a particular profile that they could ask or they could put into a bag or they could have a helpline or they can be available by phone. Yeah, I saw that, you know, this, your company offers answers to certain questions on substance use disorder. Are you one of those people? No, but I can connect you with our central, you know, that kind of thing, like helpline that, that really is all over that. And again, we hear from Micah Sabota, a pharmacist who works with patients with opioid use disorder and with prescribers who prescribe medications for opioid use disorder. Being a community mental health center, we treat those battling addiction with a medication-assisted treatment team, an MAT team. Um, where I specifically work at, which I'm the director of currently, is the crisis stabilization unit. Now, we were recently approved by OMOS to as a subacute detox or medication managed withdrawal for those withdrawing off of opiates individually. Those battling addiction, if they come to our crisis center, we are there to help serve them detox off the opioids, ultimately to establish them with maintenance therapy and outpatient therapy. I started to see the firsthand experiences of those battling opiate use disorder and addiction in general, 
and that passion, you know, that passion continued here as we we continued to build the MAT team for outpatient therapy to ultimately at the crisis center that I currently run getting that certification for subacute detox to be a detox off of opioids. So that passion has continued uh, throughout that time. What we've got to understand that this is a disease state and we have to wrap around and treat that disease state. Now, is maintenance medications a part of that treatment? Without a doubt, but it's not. there's no magic pill to treat addiction. We must wrap around counseling, peer support, maintenance, maintenance therapy. Once you combine all those, that's when you get the best treatment. There's multiple times somebody will come in going through withdrawals saying, I just need to get through my withdrawals and I don't want anything else. Just help me get through the withdrawals. And that's fine if that's what they choose. But ultimately, they have to realize We'll get them through the withdrawals, but ultimately you're going back to the same environment that got you there. It just doesn't work. I'm still here to help them detox off the opioids, but the education piece is after the detox, combining maintenance therapy with counseling, that is the best way to continue success. A lot of people will come with the attitude, buprenorphine or suboxone. It is just, and I've heard this many times, and I've put my quotation fingers up there, it is just government-issued heroin. Buprenorphine is something that hits on a receptor very similar to heroin, not quite the same way. But again, I like to say, I know what I'm getting with the buprenorphine therapy. What's out on the street, you don't know what the hell you're putting in your body. And that's the fact. All those other fillers, the other dangerous parts, that is what's going to kill them. We are going to give them something that hits that receptor, not fully, but something comparable to help them through those withdrawals. I've lost a lot of people at Coleman and ones that it sting, ones that hurt, you know, and kids that die way too young because of this disease. Sometimes we focus way too many times on the negatives, but we have positives. We have some great successes, and we've had numerous successes of those getting on maintenance therapy to outpatient therapy. We want them to know that we're providing a service for them. We want to take care of you. I'm a, I'm a pharmacist. I'm a provider at heart, and that's ultimately what I always fall back on. Trust me, when I'm looking at numbers and the, the everyday mundane corporate stuff, I always just fall back on why I'm doing it. The science, drug formulations, and evidence to support the use of medications for opioid use disorder continues to grow. But even despite the change in practice guidelines and the amount of evidence used to support their use, stigma around medications for opioid use disorder still exists, both within the recovery community and in the healthcare settings. We hear again from Stacy and Kevin about their experiences. The stigma that I have felt within the 12-step recovery community, because of being on MAT, I was always told that I wasn't clean and that I could come to the meetings and just listen. 
but I didn't have a right to share. So I always felt that I was separate. And then like, once I was off of it, I was still the same person I was when I was on it. However, now I was accepted. I went to a lot of pharmacies in my day and would try to get pills early for my prescriptions or, you know, would argue with them about, you know, the time that it is that's gone by. And, you know, whenever I go to the pharmacy now, I still worry about them asking me questions about, you know, my prescriptions or, or feel like they're sometimes if they're not in a good mood, wondering if they know my story or something like that. You know, luckily I haven't really had too many run-ins with going to, you know, the emergency room or things like that. But I always tell them up front, listen, I'm an addict. I can't have opiates. I usually get a positive response from, you know, obviously some people aren't as positive about it. Plus the doctor that I do have is in recovery. So that really kind of makes my life just a lot easier. This podcast was developed by the University of Pittsburgh School of Pharmacy in partnership with Duquesne University School of Pharmacy. Funding for this podcast was provided in part by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. 